we've been jumping frogs in Calaverse County. That's like our thing. <laughs> so we've been jumping frogs. And Mark Twain actually wrote his first novel on it when he stayed in our area, like way back when. This is the 209 Journey Podcast, and I'm your host, Luis Urbano. And in episode 48 or season two, episode 14, I'm going to be interviewing Kirsten Locke. She is the director of operations at Locke Vineyards, and her family has owned the vineyards since 1995. She's also from Murphy's, California, which actually uh, marks the first time that I interview someone from Murphy's, which really excited for y'all to find out about Murphy's and all the different things that they have going on there because I got the chance to visit Murphy's uh, about a month ago and I had a lot of fun in the short time that I was able to be there and they have a lot of events going on which got the chance to see when I went to their visitor center so you definitely want to mark Murphy's as a destination sometime this year and find out all the different events that they have going on especially if you're going up to Big Tree State Park, which is the reason why I stopped at Murphy's. It is right there on your way to Big Trees and to a few of the caverns and a lot more outdoor locations that you have over there too as well. So welcome to a 209 Journey, Kristen. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks for hanging with me. Yeah, thanks for being on here. I appreciate the message that you sent as well. I know you heard the podcast before and then you let me know like about Murphy's and I was just over there and you saw the video and I know that's how that message came about. And now I'm here interviewing you, which is really awesome because I wanted to interview someone from Murphy's and I had regretted not really having a 209 Journey sticker at the time to actually give it to one of the people that I spoke with while I was there briefly on that day. So it's like you, your message came in at the right time because I wanted to interview someone from the area. So thanks for <laughs> thanks oh, for accepting the invitation. I love that. That always happens. We call it, I mean, we're a little small town here in Murphy's, but there is such thing as like Murphy's Law and it's always a small world and like timing's always right. And yeah, I've been following your podcast for a while and whenever I come across something, I just love to follow it and just see what's happening and stay up to date with it and yeah when I saw that I was like ah they're in my neck of the woods that is so cool yeah and like I said I had a great time there and I'm looking forward to hearing more about the different things that they have going on there too so we could let people know that hey you should visit Murphy's make it a stop and if you have more days then make it a stop that is a few more hours than just like a quick stop of course so uh but before we get to that, and before we talk about the vineyards and how your family got started with the business, I want to know a little bit more about what it was like for you to grow up in Murphy's. Tell me, what is it like? And has it changed over time? Or like, what, what changes have you noticed over the years? Oh, gosh, yeah, it has absolutely changed. I So I was born and raised in Murphy's. My parents have lived in Murphy's just over 40 years. They moved here as newlyweds. And raised my sister and I. It was very sleepy, teeny tiny town. Still is, <laughs> but back then it was definitely small. And you know, growing up in a small town, you can't get away with a lot of things. So growing up as a kid, I always wanted to like 
go visit my cousins in the big city. And I always thought going to the city was the coolest thing. And, you know, sometimes you need to leave something good to like know how good you had it in a way. And that's how like going away to school and doing, you know, other great jobs where I learned amazing skill sets. It just made me realize like, oh, I really miss like living on the mountain in the foothills. I really miss that small town where like everybody says hi to each other on the sidewalk. You go into the post office and you see like five people. And there's just this togetherness in a small town that I really love. And I think it's one of the reasons why Murphy's has grown. One, the the town got built out when I was a kid. So it's like doubled in size. It's still like a great little main street. But I feel like I'm getting to that age where I'm like, I remember when. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's grown, oh, I would say a good amount, but it maintains that charm. And I think that's why people like to come visit here because people do like say hi to you. They want to have conversations with you. There isn't a shop or like a store that you're going to walk into and they're not going to be like, how are you today? Which I, there's just a slower like mountain pace to up here that I think creates that. So I moved back home about, gosh, six years ago, full time now. I was back and forth, like trying to make my way back. Obviously, I wanted to have like a stable job and like make the move mindfully as we were growing our family business. So I wanted to make sure there was an opportunity for me before I came fully back home. So I I went back and forth for about five years working full time and coming home on weekends to help run our business as we were getting going back in 2014. And then we kind of, I moved home and then it's just been like full pace ahead for us since then. So it's been an evolution. Everything I am like my family's done with the business. It's like slow baby steps to build and build on that foundation. Yeah. That's one of the things that I like about small towns. Like you mentioned earlier, that you do get that personal experience, right? Where like, they're going to acknowledge you. They're going to have a conversation with you and, and just like we were talking offline, right? I was just there for an hour and a half with my girlfriend. And we definitely had that experience. We went inside a little shop, which I really wish I would remember the name of it too. Like, uh, but I'll remember it. Hopefully even interview the business owner there. But she started talking to us and giving us recommendations, like what what there was there and all that. And it it was nice. It was a nice little like store that had a lot of like craft supplies. And so it's good to uh, be able to uh, you know, have that like conversation with the business owner. And then we went to the coffee shop that was right there as well. And it was great too. The coffee was really good. And then we went to the visitor center and same situation, right? The lady that was there was super helpful and wanted to make sure that she answered our questions because at the time I was trying to see snow. This was of course last month. We didn't know there was. Well, we snow, have, but, we yeah. have it now. We we just got six inches yesterday. So oh, oh no, yeah. <laughs> Come on up, yeah. <laughs> so we had to follow the snow up to big trees, which thankfully there was snow over there. But yeah, so it was it was a good experience, and so that's why you know I think that I always say this right, but the two hundred nine is special because we still have towns like Murphy's, and we were just talking about it offline, right? A lot of people don't realize that the 209 is also 
in the Murphy's area that Yosemite National Park is the 209 as well. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it, it's interesting. It's mind boggling. I mean, I didn't realize it wasn't the 209, but when I did, I was like, everyone needs to know this is in our area. This it's not just in our backyard, but look, it's our area code as well. You could dial without dialing the area code and you could talk to someone in Yosemite. <laughs> so Yeah, it's an easy drive about and it's a very vast area when you look at the map of what it is and especially up here in our area. And I will just say like going how you said going into that shop, everybody in Murphy's, especially if you're a shop owner, you're like an ambassador of Murphy's. <laughs> People, honestly, it's it, if you've never been to Murphy's, it kind of takes you by surprise. And this happens all the time it, at the barn in our tasting room where I'll be like, oh, where are you going next? You know, let me line you out. And everybody will tell you about all the other businesses. And they're like, wait, are you competitors? And it's like, no, you're here. We want you to have the best experience. We want you going to, you know, Gold Country Roasters, getting that coffee. They're so friendly in there. I mean, the visitor center, it's like such a staple, the nicest, nicest, most knowledgeable crew works in there. And just, I mean, even at the grocery store, I'm like, our checkers are the friendliest. And like, we'll tell you like where to get the best pizza, where to get the best burger. It's just such a supportive community to be in. Yeah. So one more reason for anyone who is passing by to go somewhere else to not even take food prepared with them, not even take, I don't know, not even take anything else, right? Like, just have a reason to stop by <laughs> some of these shops. Oh, we'll get you anything that. you need. We've we've got, a, like, a lot of it. We've got great restaurants. We've got wine tasting, like, pub houses, just really cool outdoor stuff. It's just a really, you know, easy day trip if you live in the 209. Great weekend getaway. And people are so friendly and it's such a, it's, we're, we're friendly to people who live here and visitors alike, right? It's like, everybody's welcome. Come hang, have a good time. Yeah. That's all that matters, right? It's like making people feel welcome, especially without the tourism that the area gets, right? I mean, you're getting people from all over the world that come down yeah. here because they want to go to Yosemite, to big trees and experience all this nature that we have around us that. A lot of people don't have, right? You go to other states and they don't have that many trees. They don't have all these different rocks, minerals, all these different things, right? Like it's just a whole different experience for them. So uh, I'm glad that you guys uh, are uh, helping them feel welcome, especially if they might even be their first day in this country, <laughs> you know, visiting too. Yeah. So. Um, in the summertime, I'm always so surprised how many people we get from like the East Coast or even like across the world, we're kind of becoming this little wine country hub that is centered between Tahoe and Yosemite. And that's actually how I used to describe, like when I would go away to see my cousins when I was a kid or like, you know, did like a camp or something, people would be like, where's Murphy's? You know, when they'd ask me where I lived, nobody knew where it was. And I'd always be like, it's right dab in the middle of Tahoe and Yosemite, like an hour up from Stockton. And then you're like, oh, okay, yeah. Because you you like hear all those points. And we get a lot of travelers on summer vacations stopping in between Tahoe and Yosemite, especially because we have the big trees. So, you know, when you pull up a map, you're like, oh, big tree state park. Oh, 
there's over 25 tasting rooms in this cute little town that we're going to pass. There, There's great restaurants and, and there's a lot of really cool history as well in our area. So it's it's become its own little thing, which is really cool to see. It's always been here, but I think it's just been developed by a lot of the locals who really care about it. And I know that there's also a few like festivals that they do there at Murphy's, right? Different celebrations and all that like can you name like some of them so people what what are we what are we not doing nowadays (laughs) to be honest i i sometimes um because our harvest our white grape harvest is you know in the fall september october and i look at the festival list from like september to holidays and i'm like guys what what are we doing but it just it makes it so fun to be honest we have Murphy's Irish Days coming up. The Murphy's Business Association puts that on. So the street gets blocked off. There's lots of vendors on the street. It's a great Irish fun family festival. There's a just like idyllic parade. I joke sometimes it feels like I'm living in a Hallmark movie up here. <laughs> um, it's just like a cute little town festival as it should be. We have the frog jump in May. So you can come jump a frog. We're going to be having a really awesome spring wine weekend in April, actually, too, coming up. We've got Taste of Calaveras in July, and there's the Concourse to Elegon show out at Ironstone. There's tons of really amazing big acts that go to Ironstone Winery, which is a really big family-operated winery in town here. And then we just, we have got Grape Stomp, we've got Diaz. De Los Mortos, we've got Open House Christmas Festival. Like, there's just so much happening here. There's a lot of just really fun, family friendly events. Or, you know, I mean, the wine weekend is more adult focused, obviously. You have to be 21 and up for that. But these are all family operated businesses. So it's just, you know, even if you're not here on a festival weekend, it's there's usually live music. Almost every night, Thursday to Sunday, somewhere, there's just a lot happening. Yeah, the jumping frog one is definitely on my events to go to. When I found out that you all have jumping frogs, I was like, I got to see this because I've never heard of such a thing and a festival, right? Because frogs are, it's a big thing, right? The jumping frog in the area? Oh, yeah. No, people take it very seriously. We actually are on... The on Netflix about it, world's most unusual competition. I forget what episode we're on, but Ooh. our it's our county it's our county fair and festival, and we've been jumping frogs in Calaveras County. That's like our thing. <laughs> so we've been jumping frogs, and Mark Twain actually wrote his first novel on it when he stayed in our area, like way back when. So that's how it's famous, and so many people know about the jumping frogs. But it's actually our local county fair that happens third weekend in May every year. Like the schools close down. You kind of have to check businesses on that weekend because <laughs> a lot of business, like the whole county kind of shuts down and goes to fair. And it's just, you know, once again, as a small town fair should be. And they do such an amazing job out there at Rocktown, our fairgrounds. Well. That's definitely going to be a video. So for anyone who is going to be wondering, how is that going to look like? I can't make it out there this year. Can someone maybe share a video of it? Like, we'll be out there because I, I really want to experience that. And Yeah, 
see what that's about. We got to get you to jump a frog. Yeah. Oh, and also people actually, or how does that work when you say like? We'll get you in an open heat. Yeah. So there's like the people who train their frogs and uh-huh. are like very serious about it. That Those are the people that are like on the Netflix special. <laughs> okay. Um, and then there's like open heats where you can just like jump, you can sign up and go jump a frog at the fair. And actually, if you win, a lot of people don't know this connection, but if you walk downtown Angels Camp, we have what's called the Hop of Fame. So if you win and like break a record, you get a plaque. Like, you know how celebrities get stars on like the the like celebrity fame? You you can get a plaque in downtown Angels Camp and they're all there in the sidewalk. You know, I'm glad that you mentioned that because when we were driving back home, we actually did stop by Angels Camp to get food. And we were actually observing all that. And I was really impressed to see that there were people from San Francisco, from Stockton, that actually drove out there and actually had some frogs that were champions for like a few years. And I'm like, this is this yeah. is bigger than people think. Like, this is beyond Calaveras County, right? You oh. got people from like other parts of the 209 and even beyond the 209 that are like going out there and... And doing this too, which I think is amazing, especially given the years, because I think some of them were like in the 1940s, 1930s and all that. I'm like, that is dedication it's, to go that far at that during those years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, gold country is really rich with history of the gold rush, right? So there's like a lot of historical data that people love talking about up here but the the frog jump is definitely in that era where there's a lot of record keeping some of those people in san francisco there's a family that it's where like multi-generational have been competing and local here as well so it's it's really cool to see and there's one of our main i I mean, thinking about it i think we are competitive because our other main competition is grape stomp it's Usually the first Saturday in October, and we have one of the oldest grape stomping competitions. And it's in our little park. I don't know if you made it to the park in Murphy's. There's like this cute little gazebo. There's great picnic benches. A really idyllic little creek runs through it with a library on the other side. It's just, I love our park. There's live music there in the summer. And a big stage gets put up in the park for Grape Stomp. And there are these two-person teams that you stomp grapes and then you measure the juice. And it's like straight out of I Love Lucy competition. And it is so fun to watch. Our our winemaker is like, he is so dedicated and like he he's won a few times. And it's a lot harder than you think. So it's I like watching it. I don't like competing in it, but it's a it's a really fun festival. Yeah, that sounds really fun. I mean, I'll have to add that park to my list of places to go to and also uh, whenever that's happening as well. So but I'm glad you're mentioning all these things because uh, just more events to, <laughs> to add, add to the list of uh, things to do there in the area. Yeah. And I will say our if you're not following like visit Murphy's on Instagram. And if you go to like the Go Calaveras or visit Murphy's website, we try as a community to really update. Like I go on that calendar and update all of our stuff and they help monitor it and they do a really good job of keeping it up to date. So if you are like 
on a Saturday morning, like, huh, maybe we should just drive up to Murphy's. You can pull up those websites and see like, oh, look what's happening today. So that's just a really cool resource to see things like right now that are happening, but also year round. Yeah, that's a good idea, especially again, for anyone just to get some context. uh, And you mentioned it earlier as well. It's just an hour away from like Stockton, probably about an hour and like 20 minutes, 50 minutes from like Modesto, just to give people Mm -hmm. context of how far Murphy's is. It's actually really close by and you could actually plan a a day trip easily or just a spontaneous trip and and go out there too so i'm glad of that they have a resource for <laughs> to use if they want to just see what's what's out there and they have a free saturday or sunday and want to see what they have going on well i want to get to talking about the vineyards and i know your family started the vineyards back in 95 so just describe to us how luck vineyards came about yeah So both of my parents have farming backgrounds. I mentioned they moved to Murphy's after they, you know, got married and had my sister and I. Um, And they actually moved to the area because my dad was a forester. So there's a lot of forests up here. (laughs) So it was a great career move for them. And my mom actually grew up in a dairy in Riverbank. That's where my great-grandfather had a dairy off the Langworth Road. So her family was more dairy. My dad's great-grandfather had a couple different farms, but he grew table grapes in Lodi. And so on both sides of my family, my parents are both from families of five. And when you have that many kids and you have grandparents that have farms, you get shipped out to them in the (laughs) summertime. And so they both like grew up working on farms and my dad was actually, you know, driving the back roads one day in Calaveras County here, just, you know, coming home from a job in the field. And he saw this somewhat starting to be abandoned vineyard with the first sale sign on it. And he was just like, huh, I'm going to call on that. And so he called the realtor and they were like, oh, yeah, you know, they really need to sell this. Like they're motivated. They're leaving the area. And he basically came home and told my mom, like, hey, there's a vineyard for sale. We should buy it. And my mom was like, what? (laughs) And I'm just a baby at this time, you know, like they had two small kids. And now that I'm like, I'm about their age when all this happened, I just think about it. And I'm like, oh, I don't I don't know if I would do that. Right. And yeah, they went out there to see it. That's when my mom was like, okay, well, let's go see it. So they went out to see it. And, you know, after my mom moved off the dairy, we ended our family ended up selling the dairy in Riverbank. And my grandparents bought like a little ranchette off of Yosemite Avenue near the fruit yard outside of Modesto there. And they lived there and grew walnuts. So my mom was kind of, that was, she was on the dairy, but then she worked in the orchard. And when my dad drove her out to the vineyard there was a big walnut tree at the bottom of it and my mom was just like okay yeah we're gonna do this (laughs) so they bought the vineyard and that's how it got started the purchase actually was about 94 and then it needed because it hadn't been kept up so they they took about a year or so you know my parents both had full-time jobs we were very little my sister and I And we would go out in the evenings. We would go out on weekends and work. And we 
we kind of just got the vineyard up and running. It was three acres of Zinfandel. And our first harvest was in 95 and we sold it to a local winery. At that time, Murphy's had five or so wineries. It was definitely like the wine business was definitely growing here in Murphy's. And there's been a very vibrant grape growing wine community when this area was settled back in the day in Calverse County. Like we're talking about Gold Rush era right before a lot of Italians came here. And there was actually some of the largest wine production back then, right before Prohibition. So there's a really unique history here. It never took Prohibition up here in the foothills. It took a while. And then in the 70s and 80s in Calverse County, a couple of wineries started opening up. And then by like the 90s, it kind of got going. So a lot of locals, kind of like my dad and some of our family friends were like, well, you know, we've got land or we're going to buy land. Like we want to be a part of this. And these wineries need grapes. So we're only going to grow the grapes. Like that's all we're going to do. Mm-hmm. So that's how we started out with three, three acres of sin. We grew the grapes. We sold them. A couple of years later, a really amazing property right off of Highway 4 before you come into Murphy's was put up for sale. And it was part, it was like the last lot in this larger acre parcel subdivision. But because it was on the highway, it had really unique ag rights to it and also water rights that, I mean, those also date back to like Gold Rush era. And my dad already had the other vineyard. And so once again, he somehow, I still like my mom hasn't given me a clear answer. Like how did he convince you to do this? (laughs) But both of my parents are very entrepreneurial and like just are like my mom owns her own business in Angel's Camp. And my dad started the vineyard as a business, you know, kind of on the side from his career. And, you know, they bought that property and then they planted our Murphy's Vineyard in 99. And then that was the same time since we were already planting the Murphy's Vineyard, we decided to expand the Mountain Ranch Vineyard, our original vineyard. And that's where we expanded that and planted Morrison. So to date, we still have those two vineyards. They're both five acres. So we're considered very small in the wine business. And, but let me tell you, if you have a half acre of vines to keep up, that'll keep you busy. <laughs> so um, it's a lot of keeping up with just, you know, your farming. And we do, we grow seven varietals now on those 10 acres. So for it being so small, we're very specific. And we're doing a lot on like little plots of land. Wow. That sounds like it. Yeah. So yeah, so variety like, and, and that land yeah, is, is really good. Yeah. And we've, we've diversified the vineyards a little bit, like replanted certain blocks, especially as in 2003, my dad decided to keep some of our fruit and start his own wine label. So that's when he started to think of like, okay, if we're going to have like our own and early 2000s was like a wine boom up here. There was like all the tasting rooms you kind of see in our downtown Main Street. They all flooded there and opened up tasting rooms or other places along the highway opened up. It was a really just fun time. I was still a kid. So I was like watching all this happen and 
it was really cool because like my parents were involved with it. A lot of our family friends were involved with it. And we started a label with three reds. We started to replant part of the vineyards thinking one day we'll open and like our own place and have like our full own lineup. And so we started off with Zen Cab and then my dad was told he wanted to do just wholesale to a local grocery store, a couple of them. And he was told he needed three wines for them to carry. <laughs> he was like, okay, well, I just only picked a Zen and a Cab. Like, <laughs> what am I going to do? And so he started, he, he remembered this blend he had way back when in Napa and it was a cab zin blend. So he thought, well, I have more zin than cab, so I'm going to flip it and I'm going to make a zin dominant blend with cabernet and then we're going to call it sequoia cuz our our main label features the giant sequoias. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, my dad's background, how my parents ended up here with his career and I mean, what makes this area so majestic and beautiful is the landscape. You know, mm-hmm. we have the beautiful golden rolling hills. We have amazing like creeks, fresh water creeks and lakes and giant sequoias and oaks. And it's just a very beautiful landscape location. And that's why when we went to make our label as a family, we all voted on it. We had all these mm-hmm. samples and we all were just like, this is home for us. And that's why we wanted to showcase like it's meaningful to us, but then our community as well. So we started off with just those three reds, really small. It was actually a really cool connection. Our main buyer of our fruit, there was a winery that got started by Matt Hatcher, who lived in Modesto. He started in his garage and he drove up here and like got my dad's number and was like, hey, I want to buy some Zin from you. And my dad was like, sure, I've got them, but no for sale. Then my dad kind of sold him Zin and was like, I'll never see that guy again. And then all of a sudden he was like, nope, I want to buy more. I'm opening a winery. And now today he has just a beautiful estate off of Highway 4. And so he was buying a good chunk of our fruit and actually came on board as our winemaker. So he's a very supportive role in like us developing our brand. And that's how our community is what makes our wine community really unique is everybody kind of helps each other just because I mean (laughs) owning a winery and all that production it's a lot of overhead Mm. it's a lot of machinery it's like none of us are multimillionaires that just have money to burn these are all like kind of Mm. pipe dream places and the only way to like make those dreams work is to work together And so when we wanted to start our label, you know, Matt had been buying our fruit. We liked the wine he made and hey, like we want to do this. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. And he's, you know, that's now almost an over 20 year relationship. And he's been making our wine ever since. They're very collaborative and it's a really good partnership. It allows dad and I to focus on grape growing, which is really something I love and he loves. There's a lot of hats in a business and you can try to do them all or you can do one thing really well and find someone who can do it really well. Mm. And so that's how I would describe that partnership for us. So we started a label with just three wines, still growing all of our fruits, still selling a lot of it. And 
really like my dad hustled to sell those 250 cases that we made. That's like what we started. He was like going to grocery stores on top of farming and working and raising us. And, you know, my mom would pitch in as she could on top of her business. It was just like the environment I was born in was just, you run a business and you, Mm -hmm. I, I have great examples of parents who like followed their dreams essentially and like did something they really loved. So when my dad retired, it actually was a really interesting time. When he retired from his forestry career, it was about the time I was, I had gotten out of college and was working, but I was like, yeah, like I'm getting going. I don't really like, you don't love what I'm doing. I like it, but I don't love it. I don't know if this is it. I feel like everybody kind of has that when you enter the workforce, whenever yeah. that is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Right? Like, it's kind of like, oh my gosh, I don't know. This is such a big life choice. Um, And so my dad was like, okay, well, we're finally going to open a tasting room. How about you just help me on weekends? Right? Like, we do everything on weekends, side gig, apparently, in this family. And so he, the visitor center you walked into when you visited Murphy's, that was actually our tasting room. We leased that space before. And what's cool is our family friends, the Tanners, who they now have a tasting room by the Murphy's Hotel, but Tanner Vineyards, they were in that spot and they were like really good family friends, still are amazing, good family friends of ours, but they planted their vineyards about the same time we did. They leased that space and got the tasting room started and they grew and were like, you know what, we're going to move into town further in. And it came available. And so my dad took over the lease. And we started there really small hours on weekends. I would drive up. I was living in Sacramento and I would drive up and help him on Saturday and Sunday. Run the tasting room, open the tasting room. We had four wines. It was very minimal. (laughs) And that's just kind of how we started the tasting room. So this Labor Day will be 10 years since we've been able to like sell direct to customers and we started a wine club. So it's it's been, it feels like it's been decades and like (laughs) only a couple years at the same time. It's been a real blur. A lot has happened in the last 10 years with our brand and our business and it's grown a ton And we're no longer in that space, obviously, downtown. It's the visitor center now, which was a great (laughs) transition when we left. And we're now like home at our property. So in 2018, we moved to the vineyard and it was something that we had always talked about as a family and dreamed about. And that's why I I finally made the move home because I was like, okay, we are doing this. We're at this state. Like, let's do it. So I moved home and it's it's been amazing being like the vineyard at the barn. We're kind of a welcoming home-based Murphy's, which just, it makes me happy. And we don't take that responsibility lightly. So we try to make mm-hmm. it as like warm and welcoming and beautiful <laughs> as possible. Oh yeah. I mean, they're, they're literally going to your home. <laughs> yeah, It's like they're literally guests at your home. And uh, I'm really glad that you guys were able to start selling the people directly and also give them the space where they could actually go and enjoy the wines and you could have a conversation with them, right? If they have a comment about something, 
that they'll they'll do that and you know i've gotten the chance to go to other wineries and and it's nice when the owners have that conversation with you right and they start to explain everything about the different wines that they have available and you could hear that passion i think i'm sure like with any wine owner when people go to the business and are doing the wine tasting and it's nice to see that you know because you could hear how proud they are about their wine so it's great that yeah. you guys have that it takes a lot to get to that point between the farming element, the production element, the opening your doors element as a business. So it's just, it's a really cool thing. I feel really lucky that I get to do it. And I, I, one of the only people that like start to finish because I'm, I'm farming. I don't do a lot of the winemaking stuff because we have an amazing winemaker. But, you know, I do go in, dad and I do, he gives us a lot of autonomy. We do go in and we talk about the wines, we taste through them. We have like purchasing, all that. I love bottling days because it's like, oh, we got it across the finish line <laughs> kind of deal. And then, you know, I work on the selling side of things and I'm usually the person who's pouring your wine in the tasting room. We have some, you know, mom and dad will occasionally, some family friends who work for us, but we we know these wines very well and the story they tell and they do tell a story and they do change and i think that's one of the the things i love about wine and i always say you can taste how many hands have like touched the bottle through the process whether it's like people working in the vineyards people harvesting the the winemaking crew the people pouring it like it it goes through a lot of people even on like a small production like we are and I just firmly believe that you can taste the like quality and passion in a wine. Oh yeah, no, that's really awesome that you could actually uh, taste that, and that you're the you're the one that's telling those stories that I just referenced to. So <laughs> it, it's nice to be able to again just hear them uh, as a consumer, right, and be able to interact with people who own a, a vineyard, and that's why th that's the experience you get when you go to a small vineyard. Versus maybe going to like, uh, I don't know, I can't really think of a bigger one. I don't know if Gallo does one as well. I'm sure they probably have one way or another too, where there's no way you're going to be able to talk to the family, right? I mean, it's so big that mm -hmm. <laughs> they have employees yeah. in those departments that are just in charge of that. So really glad that there's there's still that aspect of it too. And when you go to the smaller ones and, and that plus that Murphy's has a few of them, right? That we don't have to have people... Maybe from this area, and I'm I'm thinking Modesto over here just because I'm over here, but they don't have to go to Napa, even Lodi. Like you go to Murphy's over there and just try that out, you know, and then go to different places there and might even be a little less crowded depending on when you go, right? As more people associate mm -hmm. wines with like, oh, Lodi or Napa. I mean, Napa is like the capital for wine. So it's nice that there's other options for people. So they don't have to go over there where it's too crowded and still have the same experience coming over here and, and be out in nature, right? I mean, all the other places can't say the same thing. They're closer to cities. <laughs> You're closer to like yeah. places that people would want to have wine at. I feel like having wine out in nature is a great thing, you know, rather than having wine in the city. It can it connects you, right? It's such a, I mean, it's such a earth growing process. And it's it's a really unique process compared to other. I mean, every farming thing has like its structure, 
and its production. And it's it's a really unique story that gets told and captured in a bottle. I mean, there's a reason why there's an exact year it's harvested on every bottle usually because no year's the same. And that's that's mm-hmm. what's really cool about my job is like, no days are the same, no um, like year or wine's the same. There's quality and consistency, but it is like this ever evolving, changing thing. And we are, you know, on Murphy's, everybody is small and everybody is family owned. Even, you know, a lot of people will think just because if you do go to Napa, it, there are a lot of corporations that own it. I, I will say we're so spoiled in Northern California, like throw a rock and we get to like go to some of the best wine regions in the world. So I I try to like really be mindful of that when I think of like Napa area or, you know, Lodi's grown a lot. But the Foothills has a ton of wineries. And even in Murphy's, you know, we are very small. Even a lot of people think our big winery, I mentioned it, they have all the concerts, Ironstone. Mm -hmm. That is still a family like for how big it is, it is still mom and pop. And like, you know, they are out there like watering the gardens, like moving garbage, <laughs> like they are hustling and they own that place. And I always think of that as a business with growth of like, how do you maintain that intimacy that's so unique in a small little business like ours? Because we do want to grow and we do want to evolve like our little town has and it'll continue. There's no stopping it, nor would you want to. But just to be mindful of that growth, too. Yeah, for sure. And like I just mentioned, you get a different experience, right? When it's at a mom and pop, whatever, right? And I've I've been saying this, I think, Mm -hmm. over and over again with all the different business owners that I've interviewed here that have their small shop, whatever it might be. And and always telling people like, go support local and all that, because it's, you're never going to get the same experience with whatever brand is just a national brand, right? It gets diluted. It might have started as a mom and pop thing, but the moment it becomes all corporate and all that, like it's not, not the same thing. And, and for us to still have a lot of small mom and pop places that and and some like the one that you mentioned right that might not seem that way but it's still that way is something really special because you don't really get that in a lot of places and you hear more and more of those uh, things here in the area right in the central valley and it's good to know that a lot of people feel like i am not going to sell this or like i feel like i want to keep this going or i want to pass this on to future generations and and that they instill that right in the future generations. And that's why they still own it because they, they've been mm-hmm. able to let their future generations know like, hey, this is something that we own and keep it in the family, right? Never, never sell. And that's, that's what distinguishes us, right? Because we know if the moment one would decide to sell, the community might stop supporting, right? Or like that, that might change because that's what we're all about here in the Valley, right? Is supporting the locals and and keeping our local businesses local as much as we can, because some of them may have grown out there. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, your local businesses, they're the ones that are giving to all those fundraisers that fund school programs, art activities, sports activities, the local parks. You know, not to say that corporations don't, I think every business has its place within mm-hmm. a community and can give in different ways. But, 
you know, small businesses, they're the ones that are like donating and then buying your ticket and like mm-hmm. showing up to the fundraiser too. It's like, and I, I mean, it's a fun piece of community. Like I said, all of our events that we have up here, there's so many, but it's just when you're in that communal support, it's, it's a really cool experience. And I will say when it comes to generational passing on, like I never thought that I would be a part of my family business one because I didn't think I'd have the opportunity to like grow it in this way to make a living Mm -hmm. off of it. I always thought, you know, like, oh, this will always be like a side gig thing. Maybe I can do it later in life. And, you know, when the opportunity presented itself, it was not easy by any means. But it just, it felt right to me. And I'm also really grateful that like my parents never asked me. They just like asked me like, hey, I I, I don't know how to make a website. Can you like, you know, <laughs> they asked me kind of like things that were in their skill set that they knew a business needed and they knew I could do it. And they just asked yeah. me to help out. And, you know, there are some people that it's like, nope, like my family's owned this forever and I'm going to be a part of this business and this is what I'm going to do. And I wouldn't say I had that journey, <laughs> but I'm really glad I didn't it because it, it was more of like, it's a very personal choice and passion for me to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And I also, you know, when I joined, we were still growing a lot on the customer business side. Mm-hmm. Like in a way, this business has been around a long time, most of majority of my life, but it's also a little bit in its like infancy as well which I think is really cool because I I do see my generation joining businesses, family businesses, and they want to keep that alive and they want to do that. But it's such a different uh, switch over from generation to generation, Mm -hmm. especially like when, you know, the wheels are in motion, it's a well-oiled machine. And then like, you're a young, like you're the young kid coming in and changing it up. And that's not how we do it. But it's really cool to see, especially in our community, I. I see a lot of that collaborative effort, even on the businesses mm-hmm. that have already been occurring for quite a while, a, a real like welcoming and not to say it's like rainbows and sunshine all the time. I feel like sometimes people think that in the wine <laughs> business, like it's still a family business. It is mm-hmm. still dynamic. It's great. It's hard. It's challenging. I think sometimes people look at the wine business as like rose colored glasses And it's like, it's still work. Like you have Mm -hmm. to love it and want to do it, but it's still work. It's, it's a really cool collaborative thing. And I'm joking that the Murphy's is becoming like the daughters are taking over. I'm waiting for like the sons to return. But like the daughters are like starting to run the show. So that's kind of fun to see. There's a lot of us in like our 20s and 30s taking over the family biz. Yeah, that's good to see. So that way we can keep family-owned businesses family-owned, right? So I'm glad that yeah, that's a trend. <laughs> Let's keep that going. Yeah, so that way more and more generations keep the traditions, and we see more mom and pops shops everywhere uh, in the area, and hopefully beyond. Right? Hopefully inspire other areas as well. <laughs> well, yeah. one last thing, since you talked about wine tasting too, and we probably have some people listening right now, and probably already like wanting to like go wine tasting (laughs) or where can people sign up for that? And like, what are the hours? I know you said the weekends, but like, let me know. And any other events that you guys have going on, of course. 
Yeah. So at the barn where our family's tasting room is, we also have a shop. It's the farmhouse shop. So it's tasting room and boutique. We have like a garden that we we actually grow flowers and lavender as well. So that is what's in the boutique to sell us all those products. And then now to date, we're actually up to 12 different wines under our business and our brand, which is really exciting. We've grown from those, you know, first three that yeah. we started. <laughs> so we are open Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 12 to 5. We sometimes adjust in the winter for seasonal hours. So you can you can just drop in, walk in, or you can make a reservation on those days. We also we have different tiers of tasting because, you know, sometimes when you're newer, wine tasting can be really intimidating. And there is kind of like a flow and a structure. And that's one of my favorite things and why I love working in the tasting room. I love kind of pulling back that red velvet curtain and making the wine experience really just a fun experience that you're learning because you're all like, I'm still learning things. And I would say I have like a pretty developed palette. Um, And it's just, I'm constantly learning how to experience wine, how to pair wine. So that's why we tier out our experiences. So we have what's called the starter flight. And that just starts off with a couple wines that you're interested in that you pick. Then we have the taster flight, which that is like our main menu. That's the one that's going to show you the full range in the season. And we're really going to start to dive into that. And then we have our unlocked vintners experience, which is where you, that is a reservation only experience. And you can sit down with myself or dad and we we pick the flight with you we walk you through everything if the weather's nice we'll take you out into the vineyard and we'll like hands-on show you some things to make that connection so it's a little more expanded to have that so there's like a tiered approach where depending on where you're comfortable with inner pricing you can experience something really cool We also have what's called our farmhouse workshops. So those are monthly workshops that are about two hours long. You can book those by reservation. And we do all different kinds of experiences with that. So we just did a like boot camp, learn to taste wine 101 last month, which was really fun. And then we're going to be doing a wine blending workshop here in March. We do a wine and food pairing one. So we do a spring to vineyard tour, a fall vineyard tour. So there's a lot of like hands-on experiences at our estate. And I just say we want to make it really welcoming. So there's something for everyone. If you want to come during the week, we do have the taster flight or the unlocked experience by reservation. Because we are farming and you know, we are a mom and pop, so there aren't like departments in the background behind me. It's like a lot of days, it's just dad and I. So like we do like our gardening, we do the vineyards, we check in with our winemaker. So that's kind of what we do Monday through Thursday. And we we try to take a breather midweek sometimes too. But we're very welcoming if like we get, you know, people's schedules are so different these days and time is uh, we we really value people's time and being open just on weekends. Sometimes we miss people. So we're more than happy to do a uh, reservation tasting midweek too. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes people go during the week and, or they don't want to get all the traffic 
on weekends, right? All the people I might be crowding all the different places over there. So I'm glad that you guys are able to accommodate. Crowded in Murphy's when people say, you know, people who've lived here quite a while, they'll, they'll always tell me like, oh, it's getting so crowded Saturday. I can't even go downtown. I'm like, oh my gosh, our crowded is like, like barely occupied in other places. <laughs> like there is so much space. There's more than enough room. Um, like we'll, we'll make it happen even if it's crowded and make sure you get a good experience. Oh yeah, that's that's great to hear because yeah. people really enjoy the experience and it's it's a special moment, I think, just being over there, being in nature and all that. So I'm glad you guys are contributing towards that special moment that people can have when when they're up there. Cool. Well, Kristen, this has been really great. I'm glad you mentioned all these different places in the area and I can't wait to go back. It's it's gonna happen. We're gonna go back to Murphy. Mm-hmm. But very soon, especially for the frog jumping competition and back to big trees, like I was telling you. And so I'm glad that we're able to actually encourage more people to visit and not just make it a stop, but actually like spend maybe a few more hours <laughs> at least there and in, in yeah. get to know it. So yeah, thank you again for being on. Appreciate the time. Yeah, thanks for coming on. It was great chatting with you. Once again, thank you to Kristen for being on the podcast tonight. And hopefully a lot of you living in the 209 and anyone who isn't from the area is now more motivated to go and explore all of our interesting towns that we have around the Yosemite area, all the nature spots that we have over there, and not just go to the state park and all that, but also make sure you stop by some of those towns and, and get to see what they have going on and go to their shops, talk to the people there. And go wine tasting, too, if you're in Murphy's there, the Lock Vineyards as well. So on my upcoming episode, episode 49 or season two, episode 15, I'm going to be interviewing my girlfriend, Alicia Valenzuela. She's an artist. She's a scientist. She has a lot going on and has a lot to tell us about those two things. And I'm really excited to be able to share her story with all y'all and for you to be able to learn more about the different things she's involved in. And that episode will be posted, as I mentioned previously, on Valentine's Day. And that's the reason why I had been posting a few more episodes than I have in the past (laughs) per week. So check it out. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't yet and follow the podcast on social media at The 209 Journey on Facebook, Instagram, and X, formerly Twitter, to follow and find out when any new episode gets posted and also uh, things going on around the 209 as well. Well, I hope everyone has a good morning or good night whenever you might be listening to this. And you'll hear me in a few days here on the 209 Journey podcast. 